Thank you, praise team. And Terry, where did Terry go? I love the organ on Christmas Sunday, so thanks, Terry. Um, friends, it's Christmas. Okay, well, I'm happy about it. <laughs> Great. Good, it's Christmas. Um, I know it's the day after, so maybe some of the sparkle is gone, but it is still Christmas, and indeed, we are going to celebrate that this morning. Our text comes from Luke chapter 2, the end of the chapter, verses 41 through 55. And this morning, as we come to hear God's word, let me say a prayer over it that we might be ready to receive it. Let me pray for us. Mighty God, the shepherds of old were full of your praises, saying that all they had heard and seen was mirrored by what they had been told. Move among us now with your Holy Spirit that we too might hear and experience the wonder and joy of the living word as we seek to welcome the written word into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Hear the word of the Lord. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you were with us on Christmas Eve, a couple days ago, we read through Luke 2, 1 through 21, and let me tell you, Luke throws us out of the manger pretty quickly in his gospel. We begin the chapter with Mary and Joseph heading to Bethlehem to register, which is a requirement from the government. While they're in Bethlehem, Jesus is born. This is why we're excited, just a friendly reminder. 
Then the shepherds hear the news that Jesus has been born. The angels rejoice with the shepherds in the field. The shepherds go and they share this news with everyone that they encounter. And after eight days, Jesus, who is eight days old, is circumcised as per Jewish custom. That was Christmas Eve. The next story in Luke 2 is Jesus being presented at the temple. This was another custom that was required in his culture, in his religion. Jesus was probably a month old at the time this happened, especially if Mary and Joseph are following the timeline outlined in Leviticus 12 and the invitation from Exodus 13. The firstborn of every womb, of every human, and of every animal belongs to God. So we bring the firstborn, Jesus, to the temple as a sign that he belonged to God. Mary and Joseph go and they do this together. And while they present Jesus at the temple, they meet Simeon in the temple court. Simeon was a devout Jew who had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. They then meet Anna, the prophetess, who if we add up all the numbers right, is over 100 years old. She meets Jesus and she goes out and she shares that she has met the Messiah. Then Mary and Joseph return to Jesus' hometown, which is Nazareth. And Luke 2.40 tells us he grows and becomes strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So in Luke 2.1-40, we go from Jesus being born to like a month old. And then in Luke 2.41, he's 12. So there's a lot of time, a lot of stories that we don't have between Luke, 40, Luke 2.40 and Luke 2, verse 41. There's actually a lot about Jesus' childhood that we don't really know. It's just simply not recorded in the Gospels. But this story is. It is preserved for us, and that makes me wonder, why? Why do we have this story? of the boy Jesus. And why does it matter one day after Christmas when we're still thinking about the manger? What's so important about this story? Jesus is 12 years old. In the Israelite community, being age 12 was like being age 17 today. It's a big deal because when you turn 18, you're considered to be more of an adult, or maybe for some parents, 21 feels more like that age. But 18 is when you're considered to be an adult, and in the Israelite community, you're an adult at age 13. That means at age 13, you are responsible for keeping the law and fulfilling it. Okay? You become accountable in a way that you're not when you are age 12. So, for us, yes, Jesus is a teenager in this story. Yes, he's young in this story. But in his community, he is approaching adulthood. So he carries a lot of responsibility as well. He's 12 years old at age 13. He's going to be embraced as an adult in the Israelite community. And that means Mary and Joseph want to bring him to this festival of the Passover. Because next year when he goes, he will see it and participate in it in a whole new way as an adult. So they make sure to bring Jesus along this year when he's 12 years old. The law required an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem 
to participate in the Passover. If you love reading the law, you can check out Deuteronomy 16, where that's outlined. It, it was encouraged to go annually, but not everyone could go because it was a long distance for some. Men are required to come. Women were not required to go, but often did go to Jerusalem for the Passover. Often when I hear this story preached, the, the preacher will talk about how they left their child at something before um, or that they as a child got left somewhere by their parent. I don't have children to lose, so check. Um, and I don't recall my parents are here being left anywhere, but perhaps I've blocked it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. So I don't have a story about that. But I think what's helpful to remember, when we think about making this journey, which was probably about three days long if they were traveling 20 miles a day, when we think about making a journey like this, we think about packing up our family in the car, grabbing the snacks, grabbing whatever we need to keep the kids occupied, sitting in our car and making the journey together just as a family unit. So the thought of Jesus getting lost doesn't make sense because it's just Mary, Joseph, and Jesus maybe some siblings, how did they lose him if they're all traveling together? Well, that's not how this group of folks would have traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the Passover festival. I think it would look more like how this group travels to Camp Warwick or to Mexico for the Casas mission trip. It's all the families getting together, piling into a few vehicles, and making the drive together, caravanning from one place to another. So, yeah, you've got your kids, but if you don't, someone has them, right? If I don't see them, someone else has got them. Someone's keeping track, especially of my older kids, right? I'm going to keep pay more attention to my little kids who might need a little bit more direction, but some of the older kids I'm not going to pay as much mind to. So it's actually sort of normal for Mary and Joseph not to notice where Jesus is until the end of the day, because at the end of the day, that's when they sleep. That's when they come back together as a family unit. And now we see that Jesus isn't here, and that's when the alarm sets in. So they caravan together, both for the social part of it, also logistically to be safe from those who might uh, rob them along the way. And once they get there after a day, they do lose Jesus. They realize he is not with them. The text tells us it takes them a few days to find Jesus. So if we assume that they leave Jerusalem, they make their way back to Nazareth, maybe they're a day into their journey back. Well, we don't have Jesus. Backtrack a day. Now we have two more days, and it takes them that long to find Jesus in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is incredibly busy. It's packed with people at this time. I can't imagine how they must have been feeling as they were looking for Jesus and asking around, have you seen my son? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? And they do find him. Where? In the temple. Mary questions him when she finds him there. And Jesus says this, and this is why this story is in Luke's gospel. Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be here? Another way to translate that in Greek, because it's a little bit ambiguous, is didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? 
didn't you know I care about the affairs of my father? That's why I'm here in my father's house. That's the point of the story for Luke. Jesus knows that God is his father. And how old is Jesus? He's 12. Jesus is a child. And as a child, he knows. He's not in God's house. He's in his father's house. And he's 12, which means that no one taught him that. No teacher in the temple said to Jesus, I think you're in your father's house. Jesus knows he himself as a child. This is his insight that he is in his father's house. His relationship to God is different. The temple isn't his place of worship, it's his home. God is his father. And he knows that for himself. That matters to Luke as he writes this gospel because in the opening verses he says, Theophilus, the guy he's writing to, Theophilus, I'm writing these things because I want you to know with certainty that Jesus is the son of God. And even from the age of 12, Jesus knew before anyone told him, before anyone put that thought in his mind and those words in his mouth, Jesus knew that God was his father. And for Luke, that feels like some type of proof, some type of evidence that Jesus is God's son. Jesus knew his relationship with God was unique. It was different. He was in the house of his father. At the age of 30, which is two chapters later in Luke, so again, we're, you know, booking it through. At the age of 30, Jesus will go to the synagogue in his own hometown, in Nazareth, and he'll claim the words of Isaiah 61 over his life. He'll say, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He'll do that at age 30. A few years later, he's going to die on the cross and rise from the dead. Hundreds of years later, the church will discern that Jesus is not just God's son, he's God. But in this moment, at age 12, this boy says to his anxious mom, I had to be in my father's house. That's all I know. I have to be in my father's house. This story is going to make me sound like I'm equating myself to Jesus, but I am super not, so don't think that. <laughs> but it, do, it does remind me of this story. Um, when I was 10, I kept a journal, and when my parents moved to Byron Center a few years ago, we found all those journals and were reading through them again and laughing at all the poems that I thought were good, which were not, um, and all the stories that I told which I thought were important, which they weren't. Um, but one of the things that I wrote about was a day that I spent with my best friend Rebecca at Dutch Village in Holland. I loved to go to Dutch Village. I wrote in my journal that Rebecca and I played together, that we did the things that you do at Dutch Village, and then I said we played in the chapel. I wrote, we played in the chapel, and I was the minister. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I was 10, <laughs> but knew that I was the minister. Okay, so I'm not Jesus. I am not God's son. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I was a child who caught a glimpse of something bigger in that moment, playing with Rebecca in the chapel at Dutch Village. I just, I walked into that chapel and I thought, 
I'll go up here. I was just a child who caught a glimpse of something bigger. In the rest of Luke's gospel, we're going to learn that Jesus is a lot like his father, God. He's merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger and abounding in love. We'll see that, that Jesus, like God, is angry, that he's also compassionate, he's very serious, and he's faithful. But in today's text, as I read this and just hold it, think about it, I notice that Jesus is like his mother, Mary. I think I notice her more so today because she speaks in a place where women didn't speak. Joseph is there, but it's Mary who asks the question. Jesus, where were you? We've been looking anxiously for you. And that makes me remember some of who Mary is. When she herself was a teenager, the angel Gabriel changed her life with the news that she had found favor with God, that she would conceive and give birth to a boy who would be the son of the Most High. She would hold this secret with her cousin Elizabeth and treasure the news of his coming with the shepherds. And when he was old enough to tell her what she knew, that the temple was the house of his father, she would again treasure that in her heart. Like mother, like son, Jesus treasures, and he ponders, he listens. He listened to the teachers in the temple so intently that three days passed. I have never listened that hard. For three days he listened. It's like his mother that way. He was faithful to the call unfolding over his life. This is my father's house. Like mother, like son, she too was faithful. First he listened, then Luke tells us he left and was obedient to his parents. He followed the law, in other words, so he listened like Mary. And ultimately, he gave of his own body for the sake of the kingdom, just like Mary did. She gave of her own body that the Son of God might come into the world. Like mother, like son. I think the point of this passage for Luke is to be really clear that Jesus is God's son. So that's the point. That's the purpose of the story, I think, and why it's in the gospel. And then we consider the application or the invitation. What might this mean? Uh, for you and for me as we pick it up again. And I think the invitation is to be like Jesus and being like his mom, to be like Mary. And what does Mary do in this passage? She searches for Jesus. Anxiously, with a fervor, she searches for him. So does Joseph too, but we're talking about Mary. In Advent, we wait that's what we do in this season as we remember hope and love and joy and peace and ultimately the gift of God's son, Jesus. Advent is waiting. And now we turn from Advent to Epiphany. And in Epiphany, we search. We don't sit and wait. We go and we search. 
for Jesus. Next week, Angela is going to preach for us, and she'll hold with us what some of that searching should look like. How do we search for Jesus now? But I think some of it has to do with the how. How do we do that? We pray, and we read our scriptures, and we search faithfully for Jesus there. Where do we search for Jesus Well, we know from our passage today that Jesus is in the temple in God's house. But where else is Jesus in the Gospels? He's with the suffering and the marginalized and the poor. Jesus is with the oppressed and the beaten down and the dying, with the disciples. So if we're going to search for Jesus, that's where we need to go. As we move from the season of waiting to the season of searching, I invite you to just notice where you are in that space. Are you ready to get up and go through Jerusalem and search anxiously for Jesus? Who are you doing that with? And how can we do that together? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. God, one day after Christmas, we are so grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came down from heavenly places to dwell and to be among us. God, we are so grateful for your servants like Mary, like Joseph and Simeon and Anna, who not only waited but searched and shared as they received the news of the coming of your son. God, in this season of busyness, in the season of transitioning from one semester to the next, in the season of hopefully catching our breath, God, would you get us up that we might search for you? Meet us in our efforts, God, as we seek to find you and serve you and give our lives back to you. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.